The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. I know that a number of you uh, probably know of Louis Crewe. Louis is very active in the Episcopal Church at the national level, and he's a frequent contributor to something called the Bishops and Deputies uh, Listserv. Uh, those who are elected deputies for general convention and those who are bishops can post to the list. Uh, others like myself who are not can uh, can read what they write. So I periodically check in on it to see what the latest uh, turmoil in the church is. <laughs> well, yesterday I looked at it and there was this uh, this note from Louis Crew and uh, apologies to Presbyterians. Uh, you will understand why. Louis wrote, I was, oh, this, I need to give you this background. Louis uh, grew up uh, Southern Baptist, and when he went to graduate school, just as he was starting graduate school, he decided he would start to look around at different traditions. So this is uh, based on a series of sermons that he attended in a Presbyterian church. Uh, uh, the sermons focused on the theology of the different mainline denominations. And this is what Louis writes about that. He was bright and informative, but when he came to the Episcopalians, his sermon was shorter than the others, and he had to work hard to mask a slight snarl. <laughs> they waffle when you ask them to explain what they believe about any controversial doctrine. Their pet answer is, it's a mystery. <laughs> the most Episcopalian of hymns is God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. And then Louis goes on to write, Hallelujah, once I got to an Episcopal church, I never returned to a Presbyterian one again. <laughs> well, I think that uh, it's probably no surprise to any of you that we're not big on doctrine. But it's also important for you to know that we do care about our theology. And sometimes uh, we are given the uh, impression that we don't. And in fact, uh, we have a Ph.D. candidate in theology here, a Ph.D. in theology sitting beside him. And our speaker this morning, another Episcopalian who didn't make it to, uh, to the forum, also a Ph.D. in theology. We care about theology, but we don't emphasize doctrine. We emphasize the life of faith. This morning, it was somewhat of a blessing, I think, uh, and not because we wouldn't have had great things from that speaker uh, who was to be at the forum this morning. But the people who attended it were blessed by the leadership of Maureen Kameza, who led the group through some reflection on the Trinity. 
I was there for part of it. I had to leave, unfortunately, to look over my sermon a little bit. But but it was I could tell as that group started to think about the Trinity that we all come at this from so many different ways and with so many different images in our mind of this triune God and what it means to even speak about God. Well, this Sunday, this uh, Trinity Sunday is a festival that is the strangest in the church. It is the only one where we celebrate a doctrine or a concept of theology. All of the rest, all of the other festivals are celebrations of something that happened in salvation history, but not the case with Trinity Sunday. But I think as we start to work through this, one of the things that I want to be sure that you hold in your minds, our theology comes from our experience. Theology is an attempt to give meaning in a very structured way to something that has been experienced by faithful believers and worshipers through the centuries. And I think that's very important to hold on to because it's easy to go so abstract that we forget that all of this is about how we experience God and our attempt to put that into some sort of words so that we can express it to another. Now, I have a a parenthetical that I want to work in at this point, that I I want to get a couple of things on the table so that we're working from the same perspective. I know that there are many who find uh, the the reciting of the creed on Sunday morning as a part of our worship a troubling thing because uh, people feel I don't want to say we believe or I believe when I don't necessarily believe every detail of that creed. I think it's important for us to remember that when we say the creed, it's not the same as standing and pledging allegiance to the flag. And sometimes that's how it's experienced, I think, by people. The creed, when we say it, is a liturgical act. And that liturgical act is a way for us to say in our liturgy that we are connected and we acknowledge these Concepts that have lived with the Christian church, with the Trinitarian expression of the Christian church for centuries. And we are in that stream of tradition. Now, that doesn't mean on any particular Sunday I might struggle with one or more of those concepts that are in there. But that's not what it's about, living the faith. It's not about declaring or proclaiming a doctrine. Living the faith is about experiencing the Christian life and embodying the love of God and bringing that in an incarnate way into the world around us. The second thing I wanted to uh, be sure that we were clear about is where authority comes from in the Episcopal tradition or the Anglican tradition. We say that our authority comes from scripture, tradition, and reason. Scripture is generally thought of as the first among the three. And, of course, in the scriptures, we have an ongoing an an ongoing revealing of the nature of God as you read the Hebrew scriptures and then into the into the Christian scriptures tradition, again, saying that we're connected with a church that has a tradition that goes back thousands of years. And we honor that tradition and we consider it as we think about the challenges we face in our time. And we also say you don't have to check your brain at the door. When you come to an Episcopal church, you can question, you can ask, you can argue, 
And I would say that that is one of the oldest traditions going back into the Jewish tradition where arguing about the scriptures, struggling with them, disagreeing with one another is so much a part of opening the word of God and making that more real in the community. And recently we have added one more thing, and that is experience. So we have scripture, tradition, reason, and now experience. And I think the addition of experience was very important because it is out of our experience that we struggle with who we are as Christians and our understanding of God and how we're to live the faith. With those two set aside, I want to continue with our struggling with this idea of the Trinitarian God. You know, we tried to explain it with metaphors. You've heard, I'm sure, the one about the egg, you know, the shell and the white of the egg and the yolk, but it's all egg. Or apple, an apple the same way with the skin and the flesh at the core. I, someone said this morning after the 8 o'clock service, water. Water is in a frozen state. It's, we see it that way, and then we see it as flowing water and steam. All of that seems to fall short as a metaphor in some way. And then, of course, we have uh, also turned, turned to geometry to try to give us a sense of what this triune God is. And one of the earliest symbols was a circle that has a, uh, an equilateral triangle around it. And I'm sure you've seen that in many places. Our own procession cross has an expression of the Trinity on it. And for us, of course, here at Trinity, that window is perhaps the most striking uh, expression in, in abstract form, geometrically, of this triune God. But all of that seems to fall short. It points us in a direction, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really get at this God. One of the things that I think is important for us to recognize is that mysteries explained cease to be mysteries. And there's something very powerful about mystery in our life. Sometimes I think that our searching to define is another way for us to control. And I believe that religion, as is expressed so many times, is really an attempt to control God so that we once again have our world in control. Somehow, through religion, we might manipulate God to do something for us or to avoid something bad happening to us. And in a sense, this drive that we have to define God may be a way for us to say, I've got it. I've got God. And the truth is that we are the ones that have to be embraced by God. We must be embraced by the mystery. And we simply submit to it. I think that it's very hard for us to give up on the idea that we can fully understand something. But the truth is we will never fully understand God. So how do we deal with such an abstract thing? Well, I think, first of all, we need to recognize that at the heart of the cosmos is relationship. And that's what we understand the Trinity to be. These three expressions of the way that worshipers and faithful people have experienced God in these three different forms. Somehow those forms are in relationship. We hear it when Jesus speaks about the Father. The Father, a loving Father, he's in relationship with. 
And we see it as we hear Jesus talk about the relationships that we are supposed to have as Christians, that somehow God is present in the midst of that. I believe that ultimately God is about relationship and it's about loving relationship. Even the atoms are in relation to one another. The stars and the planets in their courses are in relationship to one another by gravitational relationship. Relationship, I believe, is at the heart of what God is. And then ultimately, I think we have to recognize that at this relationship of love, God then is love. And that that love is what empowers us to be able to actually live out, to be an incarnate expression of that love. That love empowers us. And ultimately, as Christians, what we are called to, and I think this is the primary mission that we're called to, not to proclaim a doctrine, not to uh, buttonhole somebody and preach to them about these principles, but rather to enflesh the love of God and for that love to go out into the world in places that we might never even want to go. And we find God leading us there. And there, the love of God is present. And relationships are possible. So on this Trinity Sunday, I would encourage you to meditate on this concept of God as relationship and love. And think about how it is that that comes into your life. And how is it that you can take that and enflesh it and take it into the world out there? Amen. Amen.